Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Give Them the Sports Biz. Out in San Francisco, it's Dan Avone, and representing New York City, the NFL agent. Say hello to Matt Marino. Matt, what's up? What's up, Dan? How we doing, man? Well, I'm not doing as well as Miles Garrett and one Derrick Henry. <laughs> Miles Garrett, of course, locking up the richest contract in the history of the NFL for a defensive player. Why don't you walk us through some of the numbers? Yeah, man. So, Miles Garrett's doing pretty well. He is really right now. Um, so, you know, very similar to, to what we talked about, about Patrick Mahomes last year signing an extension. I'm sorry, last week signing an extension. Um, it's kind of what, you know, it is what Miles Garrett did too. So, you know, former number one overall pick in uh, 17. Um, so this contract, it actually goes into effect in the 2022 season. Um, so it, you know, does help the Browns a little bit there. Um, you know, basically the, the two big points, you know, obviously we always talk about guarantee money, NFL contracts, you know, he's got 50 million guaranteed at signing. So, you know, for a, you know, premier position, that's great. You know, he's a young guy. Um, he's got a hundred million fully guaranteed. Uh, over the life of the contract and uh, 25 million per year, you know, average per year, you know, makes him the highest defensive paid player in the league um, in terms of annual salary, which is interesting. You know, you know, like I, you know, like I said before, you know, he's a guy that, you know, didn't finish the season last year on the roster. He was suspended um, because of the Mason Rudolph incident. So, you know, clearly look, the Browns have, you know, kind of reshuffled, um, reshuffled the deck in terms of their staff. They have a, a very bright uh, young GM, Andrew Barry, um, he values defense, uh, came from the Colts. You know, he, he's a, a very, you know, I would say uh, draft and develop oriented person. Um, so he wants to get the most out of the draft picks. Um, and he feels this is a way of doing it. And, you know, given Miles Garrett, you know, someone that is, um, I think, you know, 20 plus sacks over the last two seasons, um, you know, you're talking about a division, you know, with Ben Roethlisberger, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow coming in there. Um, you got to find ways to get to the quarterback. And Miles Garrett's been able to do that. So, look, that's going to get you paid if you can get to the quarterback. You mentioned the Mason Rudolph incident, which still lingers in the mind. It's the last time we saw him on a football field. Of course, he finished the season, as you talked about, on the suspension list. Do you think that the Cleveland Browns work in some sort of a clause addressing that behavior? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because, look, you know, you got to protect, you know, your assets, um, you know, your asset in this case is the football team. And, you you know, look, the only way you get value out of that is if he's on the field. Um, you know, the best ability is availability. Um, if you're injured, if you're suspended, um, you know, for whatever reason it might be, for contract detrimental to the team, for on-field incidents, for performance-enhancing substances, uh, for street drugs, you know, your value isn't there. Um, you know, you, you've seen that. Uh, affect other players this free agency period. You know, someone like Cam Newton, someone like Clowney, um, who can't get the deals that, you know, they once commanded. So, yeah, I'm sure there is something that's in there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, that is um, not only addressed in the contract, but it's certainly been addressed um, in the conversations that led up to the contract as well, too. Um, absolutely. Derrick Henry was an absolute beast for Tennessee last year. And as much as you want to credit Ryan Tannehill for the success of that team in the run of the postseason. Derrick Henry was, was just as responsible for, for that remarkable run. He signs a new deal. Let's talk about Derrick Henry and the running back for Tennessee and those numbers. Yeah, so he's kind of on the opposite end. You know, he's playing a non-premier position. Uh, he's playing a position that's devalued. So for him to get this deal, first off, it's great for him. You know, he's 26 years old, heading into the season. Um, 
he becomes a free agent again, possibly, you know, at 29 years old, you know, he might have another contract left in him. Um, but the good thing for him, um, look, he's going to get four years and $50 million. He's going to get $25.5 million guaranteed. Um, that's his signing bonus, his 2020 salary is guaranteed, and his 2021 salary is guaranteed. So remember, we always talk about, you know, the, the guarantees here. You know, what it does is for Tennessee, it gives them a potential out in 2022 um, at two years, $25.5 million. His base salary you know, in, in year to year in 2020 is at 3 million, 2021, 10.5. And then 2022 and 2023, it's at 12.5. Um, and that's the significant numbers there because, you know, does he earn, you know, those salaries? Does he get that base salary? Um, and unlike Patrick Mahomes, you know, who we talked about last week, um, where his salaries, you know, for instance, his 2024 salary guarantees in 2022, um, two years ahead of time, his 2026 salary guarantees, in 2025, um, Derrick Henry does not have those clauses written into his contract. He's got to get, you know, through those years. And that's the important part. You know, when you're playing uh, running back, when you're playing position, that's definitely less valued um, than a quarterback, you know, a wide receiver, um, you know, a premier pass rusher or a premier corner um, or a left tackle, you're going to have those hiccups. Um, and I think some, you know, kind of one way to kind of compare that is, you know, another Titans running back, Chris Johnson in 2011 signed a deal with the Titans for more money. Um, the salary cap was $80 million less. Um, you know, he signed a deal at $53 million um, and $30 million guaranteed, you know, over four years. And he only saw three years of that deal. Um, I remember, you remember Chris Johnson, you know, you know, CJ 2K, 2000 yards. Yeah. Fastest man in the NFL, um, you know, for a long time, you know, no one could break his combine record and, you know, ended up, you know, finishing his career with some other stops at other places, the Cardinals, you know, come to mind um, as a, as a successful, you know, one year run there. Um, you know, and that's usually how careers end, um, you know, when you come to that. So, you know, I think for, for both parties, it's probably, you know, suits them both very well. Um, it, it gets Derek Henry paid in the short term and it gives Tennessee, you know, some relief from the back end, um, you know, if they want to go in a different direction or feel that, you know, he's basically been overworked, um, you know, these is early part of his career. Are we seeing some of these players? Because I think Derrick Henry and Tennessee, Tennessee, like that of the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott, were trying to lock him into a longer deal. I think they settled on four years. I think that Tennessee wanted five and he wanted three. We see Dak Prescott turning down the long-term deal, the Dallas Cowboys. Are we seeing some of the players today wanting smaller deals and aiming towards that year, which I think is two years from now, where they're not locked in, and two years from now, the NFL could look a lot different when it comes to a salary cap and revenue because that's when they get the new television contracts, and I believe that's when you're going to see revenue from gambling. I'll repeat that. The mm -hmm. gambling revenue <laughs> then kicks in. Yeah, could that, that be one of the reasons why we're seeing some of the players today wanting shorter contracts and not to be locked into something, namely Dak Prescott? Yeah, and, and look, that, you just mentioned it. You know, the salary cap stems from the revenue, right? And obviously there could be an issue with revenue this year if you don't have fans in stands, merchandise, um, all the things that contribute to it. But, you know, we all know what drives the NFL, and that's TV money. And those TV deals come up at the end of this year. Um, you know, obviously you're going to have, you know, the Amazons of the world, um, not just your traditional network, CBS, Fox, um, you might have Monday night football moving back to ESPN, um, back to ABC, you know, back to a, 
a three-letter network rather than a four-letter network um, on the national on the national scale. Um, so you're going to have some some big money, you know, bidding for for games for the league. And then obviously, like you just said, the gambling revenue is massive. That is going to be so so big, um, you know, in in the NFL spectrum and just really increase the salary cap. And you saw this probably like in 2015-16 with the NBA. A lot of players started doing these short, you know, two-year deals, three-year deals. I want to bet on myself because I know that's, you know, this money's going to go through the roof. Um, and we saw that with some of our own clients, uh, you know, in the NBA uh, that said, "Look, you know what? I only want to do two to three years, you know, with a with a player option instead of doing, you know, the five, six years uh, super max or you know something in that range because it just doesn't make any sense when you know you're just going to be able to." better that um, on your next deal when you're only 27, 28 years old. Um, so, you know, players that look, I always say, look, players that play premier positions, they're just fortunate, you know, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running back, uh, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, um, left tackles, you know, co uh, corners, you know, they're going to have some, you know, some different decisions than a linebacker or a safety, you know, an interior lineman a defensive tackle. Um, and you can see that just, you know, on the surface too with, the way uh, transition and franchise tags work, um, you know, a, a defensive tackle or um, an interior lineman, you know, usually is not going to get franchised. Um, in certain situations, they do, but they're obviously not going to get franchised for what a quarterback or um, a uh, you know defensive end is is making as well. So, you know, I think you know players could be smart. Um, I think it's you know you see this like a Dak Prescott, he's betting on himself. He's taking the Kirk Cousins route. You know, Patrick Mahomes went the other direction. And I think what is, you know, favorable about Patrick Mahomes is that, you know, his salaries are guaranteeing, you know, two years in advance, um, you know, 2024 guarantees in 2022. Um, so, you know, 2026 guarantees 2025. And, you know, those are the differences, you know, when you're him, you can command that, you know, when you're Derrick Henry, you know, you don't have those, you know, that ability, um, you know, you're hoping to get, you know, to your, what would be his third contract at that, at that stage. What are your, what are you telling your clients right now about the NFL, the pandemic, and what have you heard as far as the NFL and what they're thinking at this point, as we're right on the verge of course of camp opening up in a couple of weeks? It's, it's a tough spot. Um, you know, look, they see what's going on in other leagues. You know, they obviously see through the media what's going on in the NBA bubble. Um, Major League Baseball has had a, their huge fair share of issues. Um, you know, we've talked about this on a previous podcast. You know, there's there's no force majeure clause in this NFL NFLPA CBA. Um, hey Matt, walk, walk the people again who are not yeah. familiar with that, what that means. So, you know, in the easiest, shortest way, you know, what it does is if there is a force majeure clause, it allows owners, you know, if there's a, a act of God, a war, terrorism, terrorism, um, pandemic, pandemic, natural disasters, um, it allows owners to prorate salaries, which you saw in the NBA, which you saw was a big issue in Major League Baseball. Without that clause, absent that clause, the NFL players' salaries are guaranteed whether they play one game or 16 games. Um, so if they step on the field, they play one game, you know, that CBA says, hey, look, you know what? We're going to be owed our full lot, um, you know, the whole the whole you know park here. Um, and that's why you're seeing NFL owners, you know, so gung-ho, the NFL league office so gung-ho about, you know, getting the season in, you know, with or without fans. Um, you know, so it leaves the players in a tough spot because, look, they obviously want to go and, and play. That's their job. They, they compete. Um, they have families. You know, they have people that – 
you know, they're going to hot spots. You know, if you're in New York, if you're playing for the Jets, the Giants, the Patriots, you know, the Washington franchise, um, and you're coming from California, Florida, Texas, Arizona, Utah, you know, places in the country that have a hot spot, you have to quarantine for 14 days. Um, and we're within that time frame now, you know, you just don't even have enough time to quarantine yourself once you get here. Um, and those protocols aren't worked out, uh, you know, to the extent that they need to be. I think the economic issues are even further apart. You know, you're talking about, you know, if a player, you know, tests positive uh, for COVID, um, you know, they're going to be on, you know, injury reserve for three weeks. You know, what that does is at least um, it gives that player, um, you know, payment uh, for those three weeks. They would be paid their normal salaries. It's a, you know, it's a COVID-19 list as, you know, I guess you would call it that. Um, you know, if the player can't return after three weeks, um, you know, you know, maybe he can, uh, you know, revert to injury reserve. Um, you don't know how injury settlement works in that case. Does the player earn workers comp, you know? So for me, you know, I've always been very pessimistic because I, I just see so many issues going into this season trying to get these training camps underway and the NFL, the league office has really left the union and the teams in the dark, you know, talking to some of these teams, um, you know, they think, look, Hey, look, we're going to have players in here the 28th, you know, Green Bay Packers say that, you know, the, the Dolphins say, look, we got players coming in this weekend, rookies coming in this weekend. You know, I just don't see how that's possible in a place like Florida, South Florida, especially, um, you know, or Houston Texans say the same thing about this weekend. You know, they're running out of hospital beds. You know, you're talking about bringing massive amounts of people into facilities that are indoors, first off, um, you know, certainly uh, with groups of people, hopefully they, you know, they, they separate them out into smaller groups, but still, you know, you're taking hospital beds away from the general public. Um, and that is never um, going to be a good look, you know, in the public eye. JJ Watt, certainly one of the most outspoken and one of the iconic and premier players in the National Football League. He is he has expressed his concern recently. He was he had a, a Twitter rant where he was just talking about it actually wasn't a rant. It was pretty logical. Yeah. When you think about it, he just had some some serious concerns about how is this going to work logistically going forward as far as the NFL. Where are we going to go? What is testing like? It seems very reminiscent to where Major League Baseball was a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, in terms of being completely unprepared. What is your take on the NFL as far as providing a level of security logistically for players when they go back like that of what we've seen from Adam Silver in the NBA, which I think, for the most part, aside from picking to go play in Orlando, but I think when they picked Orlando, it was prior to that spiking and having the sort of numbers they are experiencing right now. But where's the NFL at and Roger Goodell in terms of handling all of this from the logistical angle as far as camp and returning to play? You know, they've really been uh, absent. Um, I know you brought it up a couple times, even going back to May. Um, you know, they really haven't been a, a vocal force in this. Um, they haven't been, you know, out there uh, engaging their players association, engaging the union, engaging the teams. And, you know, if you talk to different teams, they'll tell you all different things that they're hearing from the league office. And if you're leading people down, you know, at one street and have to bring them all the way back up that street and then pivot and go down another street, you know, that's a significant problem that just delays, you know, like major league baseball, it, 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 it adds weeks to it. Um, it doesn't allow you to, you know, communicate smoothly with, you know, with your partners, with the union, with, you know, the 32 teams, the owners are obviously going to, you know, get upset, you know, they want their money. Um, 
uh, rightfully so. This is this is their business. Um, so, you know, the league office really, I think, has you know done a, a disservice here. You know, to uh, their really their two groups um, who they've kept you know significantly in the dark. Um, you know, one of the things that has come up recently is, you know, if you're a player that was drafted in the sixth or seventh round this year, and uh, the the league office is looking to reduce roster sizes of training camp from 90, you know, possibly to 70 or 75. And, you know, if you're under the free agent, if you're a player that was drafted in the sixth or seventh rounds, um, you might not even get an opportunity to show up at training camp and before you get cut. Um, you may not even, you know, be able to show what you can do, you know, to a team to make it. Um, and not only that, you know, from the business standpoint, you know, that player might have received a $15,000 signing bonus as a free agent, maybe a $70,000 or $130,000 signing bonus as a drafted player. And because they have not been able to take a physical, um, even though they've signed their contract, um, those contracts have not been made a physical as, you know, not been made official as we've talked about. Um, they've seen no money and, you know, the union doesn't even know if the players will be able to see that money if they do get cut prior to stepping on the field for a physical, um, you know, and, they're out there saying, look, like we've never even been given the opportunity to take a physical, you know, do we have a, you know, can we file a grievance against a team? Can we file, you know, a grievance against the league? You know, how do we even pursue that? Um, and the league and union, you know, they just have so many economic issues to work out here, you know, just as they worked out, you know, about, you know, if a player tests positive, you know, he goes on this, you know, new list with pay for three weeks. Um, they have a lot more issues to work through. And, you know, look, usually, you know, as you get closer to a deadline, it's going to spur a lot on, um, you know, it's going to spur a lot of conversation, but, you know, really this is something that they've known about now, uh, you know, going back, uh, you know, let's give them middle of March um, that they have not prepared for. Let's just get back to this clause, which just, again, it's something that I just, I, I cannot comprehend how this was, an, whether it was an oversight on the part of the owners in the NFL. And we've talked about this ad nauseum, but I, I want to end on this note <laughs> again. So let's just take a look at this potential scenario, which is very possible that we don't have an NFL football season. So are you telling me as an NFL agent that your clients from the JJ Watts to the Patrick Mahomes to every player in the NFL, if there's not a season this year, that the NFL owners are still obligated to pay everybody's contract. Yes, that is, you know, in the short, the short version. Yes. That's the, that's the way it goes. Um, and how's that going to resolve itself? Cause you know that there's gotta be some sort of litigation. I mean, if that, <laughs> if that does go forward, how do you see this playing out? Yeah. And I mean, look, one of the questions that players have had, you know, through all these negotiations with the union is that, look, are we going to get paid, you know, if we show up or, you know, how does this affect our salaries? And, you know, the short answer is, you know, they might, you know, they should still get paid anyway per the CBA. Um, without the force majeure, you know, clause, um, you know, that's basically what, um, you know, governs, you know, the, the salary, uh, the player's salaries. Um, but it does give, you know, it gives the union, it gives the union just a massive, a massive amount of leverage. And, you know, look, you know, here's what could happen. Could the, could the, you know, usually in a negotiation of the CBA, you know, if the union's given up something, they're getting something in return um, and vice versa. If the owners are giving something up, you know, they're getting something in return, you know, for the players just past year, they added games to the schedule. You know, what do they get in return? they got, you know, reduced suspensions um, for street drugs, for marijuana, you know, less of a testing threshold, 
you know, less contact during practices, you know, so there's, there's a give and take. That's how, you know, these CBA negotiations work. Um, you know, what this though, you know, really could do is, you know, it could go to a grievance. Um, it could certainly, you know, we could certainly see this playing out for a long period of time and go unresolved. And if it goes unresolved, you know, they could technically be playing games during the season um, without this being resolved. And, you know, until, you know, very far down the line, maybe a year down the line. Um, and that I think is going to be, you know, kind of just hanging over, you know, this season, you know, regardless um, between the NFL Players Association and the NFL, the ownership. Um, well, you know, if they're so playing games, it wouldn't be an issue then, would it? It could be. Yeah. Look, I mean, if, look, if the NFL really wanted to squeeze, um, you know, the ownership, the management council, and the owners, um, you know, they could basically say, look, you know what, if we play or not, you know, you own our players. And, you know, clearly the, um, you know, the ownership could, could file a grievance um, and basically kind of yeah. hold that up, you know, put that in, in hold, um, you know, for a period of time, um, you know, what would the league and, you know, ownership, what would the league and the union decide to do? Would they play games with that hanging over their head? Um, you know, I, I don't know, you know, procedurally how that would work. Um, but certainly um, it would, you know, it would certainly be something that's going to hang over their head if the owners do file a grievance and say, look, you know what, you know, we're going to refer to, you know, I think page 82 of the CBA, you know, has some clauses or has some language in it, um, you know, that, you know, the owners might have some, um, you know, in a court, you know, could have some, some situations where they could, you know, present some pushback against the players association. But I really don't think that um, it'll get, you know, it'll come out in favor of the owners. It's, it's very similar like the Brady case, you know, a couple of years ago um, when it went back and forth, there's going to be appeals, there's going to be, um, you know, a refiling, uh, things of that nature, where this is going on, um, you know, while the season's going on. So, um, you know, me personally, I, I think it gives the, the union a tremendous amount of leverage. Um, and usually the union's not operating from a strength of, you know, from a place of leverage. Um, you know, that's not really where they operate. They operate, you know, the owners operate from the strength, you know, from a position of leverage. Um, you know, so um, there's a whole lot of, you know, issues to unpack here. Look, if, if you're talking about, let's just use the Arizona Cardinals, for example, you know, earlier this summer in June, the NFL said, look, teams have to have training camp in their state. Can't go out of state for training camp this year. You got to be at your facility. That's where you're going to have it. No one's traveling anywhere. Um, the other side of that is that if one team cancels training camp or has to train, cancel training camp, the other 31 teams have to cancel as well or postpone it or suspend it, right? So if, you know, the governor of Arizona or California says, look, we got to shut down uh, large events here, um, all 32 teams have to shut them down as well, right? So you can't have the Cardinals shut down and the Packers and Lions having their training camp. It's not going to work this year. So, um, you know, when you take those things, you know, into the equation, you know, how does that fit, you know? Um, you know, these players, they want to get paid their salaries and they want to know, you know, they're getting paid their salaries. So, um, you know, from talking to the union, um, 100% of a player's, you know, yearly salary, you know, will be paid this year. Um, and that's how the CBA reads without this force majeure clause. 
I'm surprised at the NFL, which has had so much time, right? Because we saw this pandemic hit in the spring. And so you had to see how Major League Baseball was going to deal with, deal with them. And obviously, they postponed the beginning of their campaign and now trying yep. to resume. We saw the NBA had to sh shut down and now they're resuming in the bubble in Orlando. And the NFL was in the catbird seat because they could just sit back and see how the other professional teams would handle this via the, the pandemic. And despite all this time, they roll out something that seems to be void of any sort of structure, void in terms of the logistics, as I mentioned earlier. What's camp going to look like? Are we going to dorm? Am I going to have a getting tested? How many times are we going to get tested? What, what are the training? All these sort of things that should have been in place for whatever reason are not. And we're essentially right on the eve of uh, trying to start or at least get back to camp and begin what should be a very interesting 2020 campaign. All right, Matt, let's leave it for there. We'll pick things up next week and see where the NFL is at. And we'll see where the bubble in Orlando looks like. And of course, Major League Baseball also trying to resume in this very unusual 2020 campaign. For Matt Marino out in Manhattan, this is Dan Avone in San Francisco reminding you, like always, to give them the sports business. So long, everybody. Absolutely. See you, Dan. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.